Good afternoon and welcome to Talk to Be Well, where teens are talking about COVID, equality, and anything else that we happen to come up in the mental health space. I'm your host, Dr. Robin Henderson, Chief Executive Behavioral Health for Providence here in Oregon. And here with me today are Kelly and Kiana. They're part of the Work to Be Well Student Advisory Council, and they want to talk with you about their experiences and really kind of explore what it's like to be a uh, youth in the time of COVID in mental health today. Today, we're going to be talking about equality, team mental health, all in the time of COVID, like I just said. But first, the disclaimer. This video is for informational purposes only and is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. As a reminder, the information provided during this event is for educational purposes only. It is not intended or implied to be a substitute for professional medical advice. Let's get going, and I'd like to introduce Kiana and Kelly. Kiana, why don't you kick us off? Tell us a little bit about yourself, and how are you coping in, with everything that's going on around you? Hi, everyone. I'm Kiana, and I'm a part of Work To Be Well, which is super amazing because I love being an advocate for mental health so I can help other teens who are struggling in silence. And this time is definitely kind of crazy. It's far different from the past summers we've had. I mean, we have to do everything kind of virtually now to keep our social distancing, of course. And one of my outlets is definitely hanging out with friends. So it's been different trying to do that virtually instead. Hi, everyone. I'm Kelly. I'm going to go into my senior year of high school, and I'm also on the Work to Be Well Youth Advisory Council, and I work on the Oregon Youth Line. And was the question how I'm coping right now? How you doing? Yeah, uh, that's a good question. I think I'm kind of trying to take things one day at a time. I feel that whenever I try to plan too far into the future, it makes me feel a little more uncertain about what's gonna happen. So I think just taking things one day at a time has been helpful for me. So what advice do you have for, for other youth who are struggling with mental health issues right now? Um, words of wisdom, since you, know, you both have been working with Work To Be Well for a while. Um, my biggest piece of advice would be to find your outlet. For me, my outlet is dancing. So that is very therapeutic to my mental health and has helped me a lot to cope with my anxiety and depression. So finding your outlet, that could be journaling, drawing, running, anything, honestly. But that's very important. Yeah, I think for me, I, for me and a lot of people, it's kind of become more challenging to fall into a regular sleep schedule, especially in the past couple months. So I think kind of finding like your natural um, window of time where like you can get the most rest is really good for your mental health and just kind of making sure that you're getting enough sleep every given night. I feel that depending on how much sleep I get, um, my day can really shift in terms of mood and tone. And I think, so that would be my main piece of advice, finding a sleep schedule that works best for you. Sleep and exercise, two of the pillars. Uh, and I'll throw in and eating healthy. 
uh, in this time of COVID, most of us have been taking up cooking. And uh, sometimes there's these uh, baking festivals that end up with lots of cookies and cakes at my house. So we try to keep it a little bit more balanced and healthy for that matter. But COVID interrupted the end of the school year for you both. Um, going into your senior year, how does that how does that impact you? What what was that like at the end of the school year to just suddenly realize that in the middle of March, your school year was basically over and you didn't see anybody else? Um, it was definitely a shock and none of us were expecting it. It was definitely a change to go online and learn virtually because we couldn't really connect with other students and other teachers. And that's one of the biggest things that has helped me is really communicating with my teachers. So that's been hard. And then going into senior year, we're not really sure of what's going to happen. If we're going back to school, they haven't fully decided if it's going to be online. So it's definitely a big change. And we're kind of just like keeping our eyes open to what's going to happen. Yeah, I realized how much I missed just being on campus and sitting in a classroom like with people around me. Because that's kind of something I took for granted before. But I realized how important it was to like kind of have some in-person contact. It's definitely more difficult to stay focused in online school because there's so many things going on like around you. And that was kind of the biggest takeaway. I agree with Kiana though, it was really unexpected. Well, I know people made a really big deal of, you know, the class of 2020, but I heard a teacher um, talk the other day about, it's really the class of 2021 that's gonna have to figure out what does your senior year look like and how do you bond and how do you now know going in your traditions and things like that that are gonna change for you? Have you been thinking at all about that? Um, yeah. A little bit. It's definitely going to be an adjustment getting used to having like a whole different senior year. And for the class of 2020, then it was more like the very end of the year. And now we have to go into mm -hmm. a senior year, like kind of unquestionable. So, yeah, my school recently released um, like a rough plan of what the fall semester is going to look like. And I think for a lot of people in my class specifically, or my grade, it's been hard because we feel that this is our last year to go to the same school together and be in the same classes together. And so having like the, having like the mix of digital learning and online learning, it doesn't really feel the same. And yeah, we never know what's gonna happen. So it's kind of like what I said earlier, just taking it day by day. That piece of uncertainty. And you put all of this pieces of uncertainty with COVID, which is hard enough, uh, into what are now the largest protests about uh, racial inequality in the world. And we're going on, I, I think we're now in the 30s in terms of the number of days consecutively in Portland. Race in the time of COVID, um, you are both young people of color. Um, have you experienced ignorance and racism during this time? Um, I have not experienced- Yeah, for sure. Or racism like directly towards me. 
but I've definitely been offended by the hate towards Asians and people of Asian descent. And President Trump even has used the term Chinese virus. And at his Tulsa rally recently, he used the word Kung flu. So that's definitely been like offensive as an Asian American. Yeah, I do agree. I think the biggest revelation is how important it is to have leadership that really embodies like the values of the people because I think right now it's like pretty it's becoming clearer and clearer that the leadership there's like a misalignment between the people and then the leadership and whose interests are really getting represented and in my personal life I've I'm someone who likes to do lots of sports and go on runs and things like that and so I guess like a personal experience I've had is back in April, I believe, I was going on a run and there were people who I would pass, like groups of people who would like make these comments or like shout these racist things towards me while I'm running and that was kind of difficult to deal with. Um, And yeah, I think like that's been challenging, but it's also shown me how important it is to have good support systems to be able to talk about these things. Like I've been talking a lot with my family members about racism, not just towards Asian Americans, but then also towards black people, indigenous people, and how all of like these struggles kind of come together in difficult times. What advice do you have for young Asian teens like yourselves who are facing that kind of racism, especially Kiana with what you're talking about where the leader of our country is basically perpetuating, stigmatizing racist commentary. Um, What advice do you have for young people for how to deal with that so they don't get overwhelmed in, in this time? I would say using your voice is super important, even if it can't be in person, just like using your voice on your social media platforms to raise awareness for this and just keeping your head high. It can be a hard time, especially when people are saying terms like that, but just remembering what your own opinion is and what you think and what you believe in. Yeah, I do think social media really gives people the power to mobilize really quickly. And so I think that that's one of the biggest takeaways for me recently, like how I can use social media and other online platforms. Um, I think something I've seen really, something I've seen recently is this trend called the fox eye trend. I don't know if Kiana, if you, yeah, you've seen that trend. So that's kind of an example of when social media isn't used as well. Um, For those of you who don't know the fox eye trend, is usually um, when famous white influencers in the beauty, lifestyle, makeup industry try to um, like alter their eye shape in photos to look more narrow or more um, have more of a resemblance to East Asian um, facial characteristics. And so the reason why it's problematic is basically because for a lot of Asian Americans, they get made fun of and bullied and harassed for their um, physical appearances. And so to have another culture kind of like um, 
use it and then get praised for it is pretty is pretty unjust. Yeah, I agree with that. I actually there's a YouTuber who I watch who posted a picture doing that trend and I was definitely offended by it, but she did end up taking it down after a lot of us spoke up about it on her post because she had thousands of comments of people speaking up about it, which was good. So how do you respond? And, and thank you for bringing this up because there's a lot of negativity and hate in the social media space right now. And I know I see it in some of the profiles that I look at. Um, how do you respond? What do you say to people to respond to racist stuff? You know, commenting, that's an awesome thing to do. What do you do when you see racist posts, even from friends? People definitely have different opinions. And for me, I stay open-minded to other people's opinions. But I also, if something is harm, somebody's opinion is harming another person's well-being, then I will stand up for them. And if I see a comment on somebody's post that is disrespectful, I'll definitely report it because social media should be used as a positive outlet and there shouldn't be hate or any negativity on it. I think what you pointed out about when it is someone that you know or that you're close to, I think that's the situation where it's most difficult to stand up and like correct someone or comment on their com or comment on their behaviors um, because you don't want to lose that relationship. But then I think that um, recently I've just been kind of trying to be more conscious of the racism I see between um, people in like my own life and kind of making that conscious decision to stand up for what I believe is what I should be saying in that moment and saying it in a way that's respectful and not accusatory. Um, and then I just decided that in that situation, even though it could um, have short-term consequences in the relationship, I think long-term making those comments and making your beliefs clear will actually make that relationship stronger. You know, it's interesting because here we are in the middle of these protests um, and, you know, people standing up and speaking out and saying things for the very first time in many cases. Um, have you, either of you been involved in any of the protests? Have you gone? Uh, in your neighborhood or around town to any of the protests? I haven't been able to go to any of the protests just because I'm trying to social distance more. However, I've been still staying involved with the Black Lives Matter movement virtually by using my social media platform as a positive outlet. Awesome. And I've been signing a lot of petitions and listening to a lot of podcasts and using my voice to really raise awareness for this. And then I have some extended family who are black. So I've been talking to them a lot and be educating myself on what's going on right now. Yeah, Kiana brought up a good point. There's so many ways for people to get involved even when they aren't going in person. Like the internet, we were just talking about some of the negative parts of the internet, but I think that's one of the positive parts, like the ability to spread all these resources 
And for me, I the thing that just came up to came up in my mind just now is this um, online or not online, but a race that you can join to donate towards NAACP. And there's just so many different ways that you can participate and do. It's about like doing what you can in the moment and not putting things off towards the future because the problem is happening now. It's been happening in the past. So it's really important to like do what you can right now. You know, I imagine this is still gonna be going on when you go back to school. And in many schools, uh, I know last year in my own, my own, I had a high school senior last year and I know in their school, um, they had a really big issue with LGBTQ equity. And it became very confrontational, ended up in a huge rally um, that was actually really amazing and very empowering for the students who were involved. Um, in your school experience, how will this conversation about race be handled? Are there racial equity issues in your school? Is it a safe place? How is that managed and handled? At my school, I feel like there isn't a lot of diversity and it can make those who are people of color feel unsafe. And recently we've had some racism issues at my school too. And posts have been made about people's opinions that have been more threatening towards other people of color. And it's just not really a safe space when you're like involved in that. And I think students need to, or schools need to make it a priority to educate students on equality and human rights because this can help start conversations and make school feel like a safer place and it'll educate others and help them understand how to treat others and how they should be treated. Yeah, Oregon is a very white state. I live in Portland. Portland is a very white city. And then like Kiana, I also go to a school that is predominantly white. So I think it is a lot of the issues that have been coming into the light recently are things that have been going on for years and years, but never really got the attention that it deserved. So recently we've been talking a lot more about um, racist incidents within my school. And I think a lot of it goes back to not having a very diverse faculty. I think when students have teachers that can that they can identify with, you feel like you're more represented and like you're more heard. Um, I think that's one way schools can help their students of color by hiring more um, teachers of color and having more curriculum that isn't centered around white history. Like, especially in U.S. history, because the, especially in U.S. history, we learn a lot about, like, the leaders throughout, like, the 1800s and the 1900s, and most of these leaders are white, and I think it's important to make sure that curriculum includes all people. I think that's a really good point, because uh, I was thinking about if you could talk to your principal right now and say, you know, when I come back to school this fall, these are the things I want uh, as a person of color at my school. Uh, curriculum, 
faculty, I think those are excellent things. Are there other things that, that you would want as a person of color coming back to a predominantly white school? I had an experience at my school um, this past year where me and my friend were both people of color and we were riding the school bus and there were people on the school bus who were making racist comments towards us. And we ended up speaking to our principal about it. And the principal spoke to that student and then that student ended up being in one of my classes and he was talking to his friends about it and saying how if he found out who told the principal on him, he would fight them. And I think there just needs to be more action taken to stop these students from saying racist comments because even after that, they were still making those comments on the school bus and there wasn't really much change about it, which was just not making school feel any safer. Wow. Yeah, it's really unfortunate when these types of incidents occur and then administration or faculty, they don't really, they try their best to kind of sweep things under the rug and not really address the problem. And so I think that's where a lot of schools could improve. You know, in healthcare, um, it just came from a presentation this morning where we had for uh, Black caregivers talk about their experiences as um, employees at Providence and people of color and what that was like for them. Um, it was very powerful. Uh, would conversations like that with your peers perhaps open the eyes of some students or do you think that's a, a dangerous place to go? I don't think it's a dangerous way to go. I think having people who are willing to share their personal experiences is really necessary to to this movement. Um, I think a lot of the times when we hear personal stories, we really can see like the severity of an issue. I think like hearing statistics and numbers is one thing, but then like really hearing someone's personal story is another. So having like all of these things come together is really going to help everyone become educated and move forward together. Yeah, I definitely agree with Kelly on that. I think where when you can have people to talk to and be open and honest with, it's definitely eye-opening. And like she said, like statistics are great, but also when you can hear people's stories, then it's like another branch of educating yourself and educating others. And I think that's super important. Well, and it, it spawned a question from uh, social media from one of our listeners who's feeling uncomfortable about even bringing up the topic of race in her friend group. Um, what tips would you offer her uh, as, a, as a white person to, to approach and talk about race? Yeah, that's a good question. And I know it, for people who don't experience it personally, it can be a challenging topic to navigate. But then in that situation, it's always important to speak from the I perspective and not project like your emotions onto other groups of people. I think especially when we are talking about race, 
it's important to always center it around the people who are most affected by racism and not around the emotions of like or the discomfort and the emotions of others if that makes sense yeah i agree with her on that and it can be an uncomfortable thing to talk about but i feel like with others and with your friends especially and those of racial ba- different racial backgrounds you should be able to be open and honest with them and talking about it is so important too because you can also educate yourself at the same time so I think just being open-minded and listening to your friends' perspectives is good. You know, you both talk about the internet and um, podcasts and some of the ways that you've been uh, managing, especially during protesting. Have you um, read or learned anything new that, that was especially powerful for you that you might want to share with others? Yes, I have a book recommendation. Um, I actually, (laughs) we read this, I think, last fall, but it's called Homegoing by Yag Yossi. And basically, it's following, it's a book that follows eight generations of women from Africa and then to America. And it's kind of like, it's sharing the parallel stories between these people and then those historical events that have occurred. And I just thought it was like one of the most powerful books I've ever read. So I highly recommend that book. I will be I'm going. Okay. Book. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Kat? I got any podcast recommendations? Um, mm, I do not have them off the top of my head right now, but <laughs> um, I think something I've definitely learned is this isn't something that's new to the world. All this has been happening for a long time now. And I think it can be blindsiding to people because not everyone has been educated on this in school. And that's why I do think that it needs to be a priority to learn about equality and human rights in school. Because I think if we're educated from a younger age, then this is something we can be advocating more for and educating not only ourselves, but others on. Yeah, that's a really good point. And, and oh, I do have a podcast recommendation. Oh, go ahead. That just came to mind. If you... Yes. There have been lots of things that are circulating on ways that you can donate without... If you don't have money to donate. And it's really interesting and creative. Basically, if you search in, um, in the search engine, like... Uh, I forgot the name of the video. But basically, this is the concept. You watch the videos... And by watching the advertisements, they donate the ad revenue to fighting racial inequality. And so that's another option that just came to mind. I wish I could have remembered the name of the video, but it's been circulating a lot on social media. No, that's a really good call out. And and I was going to add that, you know, in terms of podcast recommendations, I, I highly recommend Talk To Be Well. Uh, it's, it's a great podcast, always has great guests. And... Uh, talks about those uh those pertinent issues of the day um you know as we as we come around in in talking a little bit more bringing it back to covid um there's been a lot of controversy about wearing masks and when you go back to school where are you at you know what do you what do you say to people who uh say it's my right not to wear a mask that is a great question to my knowledge 
my school is requiring wearing masks. So I don't know if anyone's gonna be able not to. It is unfortunate how a topic like wearing masks or public health has become something that is politicized when it shouldn't be something that's politicized. Um, yeah. Yeah, there's gonna be people who are gonna agree with you and people who are not gonna agree with you. And I think my school's gonna enforce wearing masks also. And personally, I think wearing masks is such a great idea. And I think you should do it anyways, because it's just helping protect you and protecting others. And I think that's just the most important. <laughs> like it should not be a debate. Shouldn't be a political issue. Exactly. Yeah. Uh <laughs> Are either of you, I know, um, Kelly, I know you are, I don't know if you've been interested in this, Kiana, but looking at the legislative process moving forward and some of the um, laws and bills that may need to change to support not only uh, racial equality, but protections for mental health, especially mental health for young people. Um, do you think that that our political leaders are are an important part of changing these conversations going forward? Yes, for sure. And I do, in a lot of ways, I view the work we do on Work To Be Well and just all the other mental health work I do in my life to be connected to racial inequality because a lot of um, mental health and access to medical resources is divided based on racial lines and the privilege that you have on whether or not you can receive mental health treatment. Um, recently, I learned that white people are the only demographic where the majority of people who need mental health resources actually receive that treatment. And I think a lot of those barriers can be traced back to like um, financial reasons and then also cultural barriers. So I think addressing that in legislation will be really important. I fully agree with her on that. I think she said that very well. <laughs> well, I tell you, we're we're coming to the end of our time together. And and I just wonder, um, as we begin to wrap up, what what advice do you have uh to keep yourself uh and your family and your people healthy as we start to, you know go back into the next school year. We got, what, another couple months before we land back in school. What advice do you have uh, to people during this time to really be able to um, stay safe, stay sane, stay healthy, stay engaged? Any last words? My last words would be that physical health and mental health are just as important as each other. And you should be focusing on both of them. And in this time of COVID, then you definitely need to be taking care of both because your mental health can definitely be impacted by this. I know I've had a lot more anxiety ever since COVID started. And that's why I mentioned before, finding your outlet is super important. For me, dancing has been helping me a lot and taking care of your physical health. We should be social distancing, wearing a mask if you can, and just taking care of yourself at home. Yes, I'm trying to think right now. Did you say one message that you would want 
to leave? You can have as many as you want. <laughs> okay. Um, I would say being honest to yourself about what you need to be at your healthiest. I think a lot of the times um, we kind of neglect like self-care, especially when you're in a situation where um, like your routine kind of gets thrown into different ways. So I think really grounding yourself in self-care practices that you know work for you is really important. And staying connected to the people that you want to be connected with. I think it's easy to like um, go for long periods of time without being connected to people. But I think having that of like your emotional Awesome. Well, I want to thank Kelly and Kiana for joining me today uh, and to everybody for listening and sending in your questions. If you are looking for help with processing anxiety, depression, mental health issues, or if you've got medical questions about COVID or anything else, please visit providence.org. And for parents, teachers, and students, please check out worktobewell.org. That's work, the number two, be well. I'm your host, Dr. Robin Henderson, and this has been Talk to Be Well. We'll see you next time. <music>